Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Thanks to this team for the sacrifices you made. I know you'll say there were really no sacrifices, uh, but thank you for everything y'all did. Uh, what a great trip. It's obvious that God used that time. I, can, I never get tired of the stories. I love to hear the stories. And, uh, and also, when you make a trip like that, you're grateful for digital cameras and that you're not carting all those little rolls of film. Remember those days? Filling out the little thing at Kmart or Walmart and dropping the packet in there and waiting for five days to get it back. You know, I'm glad for digital cameras, but thank you for everything you've done. And to our church as well, thank you for for your prayers. We started a, a series a few weeks ago in the book of 1 Corinthians. It, it really, it's just a letter. It, it's God's Word. God inspired it. He wrote it through the Apostle Paul, but he wrote it to a church in a city called Corinth. And uh, as we read through the book of 1 Corinthians, it is a letter that deals with a lot of issues that we face today. It's amazing. The, the issues that the believers faced 2,000 years ago, you can pick them up and drop them right into life today. And they fit seamlessly. We face the same things that they face. It looks a little differently in a Western context in the 21st century, but the same hard issues they faced that Paul addressed in this letter, we still face today. And one of them we're going to look at this morning when we look at what it means to live, uh, oftentimes really as a kid, in a grown-up world. And the decisions that come with that and the needs that we often face as we live out life in a grown-up world. Well, I came across a video a few weeks ago that uh, in a kind of a comical way, it, it captures for us what life would be like uh, if, if we as adults lived out life with childlike minds. And so the, the premise of this quick little video, I don't know, you may laugh or you may say that was a waste of time, I don't know, we'll see. But the premise of this is that they had asked a couple of children to describe and to kind of act out and to talk through life as airline pilots. Uh, you know, you, so you got these two little kids, y'all are now airline pilots, and so just have dialogue between the pilot and the co-pilot as to what you think this would be like. So you've got five-year-old kids, basically that are just uh, talking through what that would be like. And they took their, their uh, audio and they perfectly lip-synced it and they had two grown-ups to actually act out with their voices. You follow me? And so this is just a small little snippet of what that would look like. A couple of minute, vi- couple of minute video here. Let's take a look at it real so, quick. What do you want to do? Mm, I'm in pain. I have to drive, though. Mm. You're, the, you're the co-pilot. And I'm the real pilot. What does the co-pilot do? It just drives and, and not be the real pilot. Okay. Where are we going on this trip? Um, Utah. Okay. So, um, what do we do when we get to Utah? Very, very good. Get out and fly back to the airport. Okay. That's going to be fun. I see I see really fun clouds. They look so nice, don't we they? We fly up. Up. Down. Up. Right on the clouds. Past all the clouds. We're in Kansas City now. Coming for a landing, push down button. We landed. Now let's fly all the way back. Let's fly over the clouds again. Okay. Like, up, down, down. Up, right. Up, awesome. Up, like a water coaster. Up, 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 
Now, how many of you would fly on a plane if that was the pilot, huh? And imagine if you actually were on the plane and you heard the pilot address you, right? Uh, Welcome to Delta Airlines flight, whatever. And that was the voice you heard. You'd probably be, you know offloading that plane as quickly as you can. It's just a little reminder that, that for a lot of us, you know, we're reminded we live in a grown-up world, and that grown-up world many times requires grown-up choices, and we ha- have grown-up issues, and we have to make grown-up decisions. And yet there are times, I look at my life, and there are times for me, I don't know about you, but for me I realize that this grown-up world that I live in, with the grown-up choices and the grown-up uh, 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 direction that often comes that has to be decided on, there are times I feel so inadequate for that. As a father, you, you don't want your kids to go astray, and you want them to grow up and to be poured into and to know what it means to live a life that's honorable as an honorable citizen, that honors God, and a life that they enjoy and that makes a future for them. And yet it's hard at times as a parent to even know how to pour into them and to know exactly what they need and exactly when they need it. For many of us, we face that. For you, perhaps, that's something that you've thought through here recently. How do I make the right choices in this world in which I live with all the grown-up choices and all the grown-up consequences? You may be a single parent, and you look at your life, and you think, how on earth do I balance everything? Where do I find the balance in my life to raise my children and to raise my child and to also work a job and to get them up and to get them to bed and get them to school and to help them with homework? How do I make all this work? And there may be times where for you, you feel kind of like a kid in a grown-up world where you don't really quite know what to do. You feel inadequate. You feel like the, like the call is so far above what you're ready to handle. Maybe for you as a, as a married person, you, you look at some of the challenges that come in your marriage. Maybe there have been some financial needs. Maybe there have been some change in career path. Or maybe for you, things aren't clicking quite the way you wish they would at this point in your marriage with your spouse. And you look at these challenges and you think, you know, I don't really know what to do. I don't know what direction to go. I don't know how to fix some of these issues that we face. And you feel like a kid, like a kid in a very, very grown-up world. Maybe you're making decisions about your career path, or, or perhaps for you there's that peer pressure where it seems like everybody at work is doing one thing, and it's not exactly uh, you know, uh, up and up and, and above board, and, and you're facing some of that pressure to change some numbers, to change some figures, to do things a little bit differently. And you feel like, you know, these are very grown-up decisions, these are grown-up issues, but yet I feel like a kid in this grown-up world, and I don't know exactly how to, how to handle myself all the time. You know, here's, here's the tension that we face, because all of us are going to come to a place in our lives, if not already, where we look back. And when we look back, here, here's what I want, I think you probably want the same thing. When we look back, we want to look back on all of our choices and all of our life and, and, and all the stuff that made life what it was, and we want to be able to say, you know, most of the, I didn't do it perfectly, and I didn't nail it every single time, but more often than not, when I look back at my decisions, I made the right choice. And more often than not, when I, when I chose to go a different direction, it was the right path. And so the tension is, how do we live life today making choices that one day we'll look back on and say, I got it right. I hit the bullseye. That's a question that we ask in the 21st century, and it's a question they asked in the first century. And so as Paul writes this letter to this group of people known as believers in the church in a city called Corinth 2,000 years ago, 
he is dealing with this same type of issue. Here's what was going on in that church. In the church at Corinth, they were followers of Christ. Within the past three, four, maybe five years, they had made a decision to give their lives to Jesus. They had chosen to leave their old life and to follow Jesus Christ. Problem was, for a lot of them, and in fact, most of them, based on what Paul says in this letter, for most of them, they had made that decision and, and they bore the name of Christ, but they weren't living out the reality of that relationship. You know what I'm saying? And so in, in name and in essence, they said, hey, we're followers of Christ. But if you looked at their everyday life, it, that didn't match. It, it didn't match. What, what they said they, they, they uh, believed didn't play itself out in the way they were living at this point. And what was happening was the people in the city of Corinth could easily look into that church and they could look at those believers and say, all right, you say you're a follower of Christ, but the things I see you do, I don't think Jesus would do. <laughs> That's kind of what, what was happening there in that culture. They were saying one thing, but they were doing another. They were living in a grown-up world with grown-up consequences and grown-up decisions and, and grown-up ramifications of everything they did, but they were living childishly. They were living in a very immature way. And so Paul writes this letter, and when he writes this letter that we have called 1 Corinthians, he is dealing with that whole issue of how they could live, not as kids in a grown-up world, but how they could live as mature followers of Christ that would have a life that was rich and a life that was full. And one day they would look back, just like you will and I will. They could look back and say, you know what? I got it right. The whole college years, you may be in college right now, the whole college years, I did it right. I didn't pack my suitcase, so to speak. I didn't pack a bunch of baggage that will take me 20 years to unpack for my poor choices. No, in college, I got it right. No, in marriage, I got it right from the very beginning. As I raised kids, I got it right from the very beginning. When I followed a career path, I got it right. That's what he's telling them. Here's how you live life in a grown-up world. And there is, there is direction, and Paul helps us to understand what that is here. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at a simple principle, and I hope you'll jot it down. And as we look at this principle, we're going to see it played out in the passage in these verses we're going to look at this morning. And the principle is this. In order for us to reflect God's character, and we could also even say God's wisdom, in order for us to reflect God's character in our lives, we have to cooperate with God's Spirit. We have to cooperate with God's Spirit. Now, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to explain what that means here as we move through this passage of Scripture. Let's, let's jump in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 4. Paul is going to remind us here of his message when he came the first time to these believers in the city of Corinth. Uh, his message was simple. It was that Christ had died for them. Look at what it says here in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So here's what Paul's saying. He is laying out for them the picture of his whole life. He said, when I was with you, what you saw was not a bunch of flashy messages. You didn't see me bring a whole bunch of skills, and I didn't have a big skill set to bring here. What you saw was just very simply a demonstration of God's Spirit and God's power in my life. Look at the next verse, verse 5. He says, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. When the dust would settle and Paul would spend 18 months with these people and then he would check out and go on to the next stop along the way, they would look back and say, you know what? When we saw Paul's life, what we saw there was a demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God himself. Let's move on to verse six and we'll begin to dig in what we're gonna look at this morning. He says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, 
For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it's written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And so here's what Paul's doing. He is describing here for a moment the wisdom of God. He mentions the wisdom of God five times in those little, just those short few verses. He's taught about God's wisdom. Now that's a good thing, right? That's what we need. We need a little bit of that. We need some of God's wisdom in the details of our lives and the decisions that we face. And so Paul describes it. You saw it right there in that verse. He says God's wisdom is is not of this age. You're not going to find it anywhere in some self-help book that you pick up, you know, from Barnes & Noble or or some bookstore somewhere. He said this wisdom of God is not of the rulers of this age. There is not one mind who has ever lived and walked the face of this earth outside of Jesus Christ himself that has had the wisdom of God uh, in the way that God has. It, it is a wisdom that is far removed from this world. And so Paul is describing the wisdom uh, that, uh, that, that only God has. And then in verse 10, he says something real interesting. Look at the next verse, verse 10. Let's move on to the next slide, verse 10. He says, for to us, God revealed them. In other words, he revealed his wisdom. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. That is the key verse of everything we're looking at this morning. Because what it tells us is that we are needy people, we are inadequate, we're like kids in a grown-up world, and then here is God. God has all the wisdom that, that, that anyone could ever need. He, has, he, he is the, the sole uh, provider of that wisdom, and yet verse 10 says that He has revealed it, and He does reveal His wisdom through His Spirit specifically. Now that brings us to a question. Who's the spirit he's talking about? Some of you, you've been followers of Christ for decades, right? You've been in churches for a long time. When I mention the spirit of God, you know exactly what we're talking about. For others, this is all kind of new to you. You're just checking things out and you're beginning to read the Bible maybe for the very first time. You're just getting into church and uh, when you hear the spirit of God, you're thinking, okay, woo. What's going on exactly with all this? Well, let me just give you a quick little crash course on this. We won't go into a lot of depth because we don't have the time. But when it speaks of the Spirit of God, what it's talking about is that part of the Trinity, God the Spirit. You've probably been in a church context at least for the last 45 minutes or an hour you have been, right? You've probably been to weddings that were Christian weddings, and you've heard someone speak of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what we're talking about. One God having revealed himself in three persons, each distinct and yet one God. God, the Holy Spirit. And what Paul says is, is that it's the Holy Spirit, God himself, who knows the truth of God and reveals it, who knows the truth of our own lives and reveals it. It's the Holy Spirit who knows the the depths of the heart of God and reveals that. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us wisdom. And that's what Paul's saying in this verse. It's the key verse that to us, God has revealed them. He has revealed God's wisdom through the Spirit of God. In, in, in Scripture, in the book of Galatians specifically, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Qualities like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Qualities that only God could produce. You know how they're described? Fruits of the Spirit. And so whenever we look at our lives and we ask the question, how do I develop godly qualities in my life? How do I have qualities that one day I'm going to look back on and be glad they were there? How do I develop wisdom? How do I have wisdom in my life for the difficult decisions that I face? How, how do I have that kind of wisdom so that even in the spur of the moment, I know how to make the right decision? How do I have all that? The Bible makes it real clear that it only comes from the Spirit of God who reveals that 
to us. And so for us to have the qualities of God, to have the wisdom of God in our lives, it is an absolute must that we have to cooperate with the Spirit. We have to. Look at what Paul goes on to say. Look in verse 11. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. He says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Let's go on to verse 12 and verse 13. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. What's the nutshell? The the nutshell is that we are needy, dependent people. We are kids in a grown-up world, and we need wisdom, and we need those godly qualities that this world lacks. And the only way we're going to have those is whenever they are given, whenever they are produced, whenever they're granted by God's Spirit. And again, for us, it is a must that if we're going to have the qualities of God demonstrated in our lives... As a single parent, as a, as a spouse, as a student, as a worker, as a person who God has put here on this earth for a reason. If you're going to one day look back and say, you know what, I hit the bullseye more often than not. I made the right decisions more often than not. It is an absolute necessity that you and I cooperate with God's Spirit because it's God's Spirit that gives us that wisdom. It's His Spirit that produces those qualities specifically in our lives. Now, here, here's, here's the question. So then how do I do this? So if, if, if the Bible tells me that I have to cooperate with the Spirit of God, how exactly do I do this? It depends on where you stand with God. There are two different answers based on where you stand with God. If you're a follower of Christ, meaning you've genuinely turned from your sin and invited Jesus to take over your life and to forgive you, if you've made that choice and the Bible calls you a believer, If you're a believer, then the way you cooperate with the Spirit is by just a simple little phrase, through admission and submission. You admit and you submit. Now, what does that mean? It means, first of all, you admit, and this is going to be the hardest step for some of you, you admit that you do not have what it takes in and of yourself to make the right decisions, to follow the right course, and to live life the way it should be lived. You admit that. And I'll be honest, up front, that's going to be one of the hardest steps. That's, that's going to be the hardest for some of you. Because some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, all right, now, you don't know me. You don't know my life. I went to the best school. I have grown my own business. I have become a success. I've raised kids who are success. I've got a bunch of money. I've lived a comfortable life. And it's all because, not the government, not because of religion, not because somebody helped me out. It's because I worked for this and made this for myself. And the thought has never even entered your mind for some about admitting that you don't have what it takes. Now, let me just ask this simple question. Imagine for a moment that you've climbed the highest tree in the forest that no one else has climbed, and you see a view that no one else sees. And I I grant it, that may be the case for some of you. You've become so successful, and you've raised a great family, and you've, you've, you've seen your career go places that even you didn't imagine it would go. But imagine as you stand there looking out over the, the, the view that only you have of the tallest, tallest tree in the forest. What if, just what if, you spent all that effort climbing the wrong tree? And though you may be successful from your perspective, And though your 401k may be at a level that you're comfortable with, 
And though you may see your climb up the corporate ladder as exceeding even what you thought those expectations would have been at this point. Even though your success is defined clearly by you, what if it doesn't match what God created you for? That's an issue. And so you got to admit, God, I can't make the decisions that my kids need me to make in and of myself. I don't have the strength to stay away from the temptations in this day and age in which we live. To live a life that will make my family proud. I don't have the knowledge to know which steps to take as I follow the path for my career. God, I don't have what it takes. This is what you've got to pray. God, I, I admit, in and of myself, I bring nothing to the table. But there's another part. It's admitting and submitting. Oh, but God, I know that your Bible tells me that because I'm a follower of Christ, that your spirit lives within me. And that your spirit is the one who reveals your truth and reveals your purpose and reveals the depths of your heart, who reveals to me conviction whenever I wander and, 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 and guards me whenever I seek to stray. It's your spirit who always will speak what's best into my life. And so not only do I admit my shortcomings and not only do I admit my frailties, but God, at the same time, I submit myself to you. And I ask that you guide me and that as you do, I'll follow admission and submission. How do we cooperate with the Spirit? Through admission and submission, if you're already a follower of Christ. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, then it's a little bit different. You don't really need to admit and submit necessarily for that kind of leadership. You need to just simply be, be uh, indwelt by God's Spirit to begin with. And so the first step for you, if you're not a believer today, is to come to that place where you realize that your sin needs payment. And that Christ already paid for it. And as you turn from it and invite Jesus in, that's when you step into that relationship with God to begin with. That's the starting place for you. Whenever I look back over the course of my life, will I have gotten every decision right? No, I will have missed a bunch of them. But you know what I found? That if I'm faithful to admit that I need a Savior every day, and if I'm faithful to submit to God's lead in my life through His Spirit, here's what I found. That in the places where I have honestly sought to follow God as best I felt He was leading me, if I miss it there because I'm human, what I found is, is that his grace is very, very good at filling the gaps and making all work out just fine. But it's when I plant my feet and say in my heart, God, I don't care what the Bible says, and I don't care what you want for me. And even though in my heart I feel like this is what you're leading me to do and other people validate it, I'm going to do the opposite that's where I find the harsh reality of living life in a grown-up world. And it doesn't feel good. And so if you're going to look back one day as a single and say, you know, I was willing to wait on God. If you're going to look back as a married person and say, you know what, I didn't let the little things or even the big things that often sends many couples to divorce court, but rather I followed God's lead, and I worked things out. If you're going to look back and say, I made the right choices, not every one of them, but I followed God the best I could, what you'll find is, is that the only way that's going to happen is when you're willing to admit and submit 
if you're willing to allow God's Spirit to call the shots, and as He does, you cooperate by following where He leads. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what types of grown-up issues you face in your life today. Uh, It may be material, it may be financial, it may be career-related, it may be child-related with your children, it may be in your marriage, it may be in some other area of your life, maybe some temptations that you face. I don't know what the issues are for you, but listen, we live in a grown-up world. And the only way that we're going to be able to see that fulfillment and that bullseye hit is when we let God's Spirit, who knows God's heart, who knows our needs, bring it all together. And as He leads, we follow. So I'm not, I'm not going to ask you, and I'm not even going to ask myself to do this for the rest of my life, okay? Follow me here for just a second. I'm not going to ask you to do it for the rest of your life. Here's what I'm going to ask. For the next week, just for this next week, as a reminder that as a believer, hey, I need the way, that, the way that I cooperate with God's Spirit is that I, obviously we read Scripture and we pray and we surround ourselves with other believers. Those are all part of it. But I'm going to, for the next week, at every mealtime, okay, this is going to be very simple. And you're going to start here, if I'll, if I'll be quiet, you'll be starting here in like the next half hour or so maybe. Every mealtime, as I pray and thank God for that food in front of me, I'm going to take a moment just to pray, 30 seconds or so. God, I admit, between now and my next meal, that I don't have in and of myself what it takes to make the right decisions and to even follow the right path and to live a life that you want me to. I admit it, but God, I also submit, knowing your spirit lives within me and that he knows your heart and he knows my needs and he knows how to direct me, and I pray right now that I submit the best I can to follow your lead. Amen. That's what I'm going to ask. You know, I've just given you two things. Number one, I've given you really biblical precedents to have eight, nine, ten meals a day if you want to. Uh, and that's, that's really, Krispy Kreme counts, I'm telling you. You can do that. So, I mean, it may look a little odd for some when you're there praying and you're doing that, you know, Krispy Kreme, and you're about to eat your donuts, you know. But, but if it works for you, it works for you. But number two, what that's going to do is just the next week, okay? You know my heart. I hope that that turns into next week and the next week and the rest of your life. But just for the next week, keep it in the front of your mind that I am a kid in a grown-up world in a lot of ways, and I have no maturity but the maturity that God produces in me as I cooperate with this Spirit. And so every time I eat, I'm going to take a moment to have the bell go off in my mind and say, God, at the same time as I'm about to eat, and thank you for the food, I admit that I need you, and I submit to the leadership of your Spirit in my life. And if you don't know Him, it's the whole reason He came was not just to meet your needs, but to forgive your sin. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for the truth of your, your word. Thank you for the Bible that you've given to us, God. Thank you that it points us to you. And Lord, thank you that no matter what we face, Lord, that you're always there to walk with us and to guide us if we'll allow you to do that. Lord, it's so easy for us to feel like we're, the, we're really the answers to our own issues, that, that, that it's our strength that's going to be the, the, the remedy, Lord, for the struggles that we face. And Lord, certainly we do need to make effort and certainly we do need to do our best. But God, at the end of the day, the only way that we're going to have maturity in our lives, the only way we're going to have wisdom, the only way we're going to be able to really hit the bullseye that, that we'll look back on and be grateful for is when we cooperate with your spirit. Lord, I thank you that you place your spirit in every person who surrenders their lives to Christ. And Lord, you don't just leave us out on an island somewhere until we get to heaven, but Lord, you walk with us. And Lord, when we're tempted to stray, you check us in our, in our spirit through your spirit. Lord, whenever we, whenever we commit sin, it's your spirit that convicts us so that we won't stay there and suffer the consequences that come. Lord, it's your spirit that gives us wisdom and that brings truth to light in our lives. And so God, how can we, 
how can we expect to live life that's successful unless we cooperate with your spirit? Lord, I don't want to get to the end of my life and find out I climbed up the wrong tree. Lord, I want to be in your will. I want to accomplish what you've called me to do, and I want to fulfill the purpose that you've got for me. Lord, I feel like everybody else in this place is probably much the same. And so, Lord, give us the reminder this week, each time we sit down to a meal, to just admit that we need you and to submit ourselves to your lead through your spirit. Bless these decisions, we pray. And it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.